Yo, welcome to Voice Acting Up, a podcast where I interview working voice actors who are working their way up. I'm Sean Rohani, and today's guest is Nathan Hedrick. I can't, I can't say his name without laughing. He is an extremely talented stuntman, mocap, and voice actor, and as you'll soon find out, very, very, very good at making me laugh. The first question I like to ask is, what is the very first voiceover gig, paying gig, that you got, and uh, what are some of your favorite ones that you can talk about? Uh, okay, first got to start with, yo, <laughs> because that's how we roll, baby. <laughs> Sean! Uh, the very first VO gig I got, I was taking classes at the VoiceCaster, and they gave me a call. They're like, hey, we need someone to try and voice match these different characters. And so I got the sides. I had no setup at home. The only mic I had was like a gaming headset my brother had gotten me. <laughs> so uh, did I have a, I don't have a walk-in closet, so I got a closet. I have big cabinets I opened up. I just hung wool coats around <laughs> me, yelling into the closet on a gaming headset to read these different sides. And the last one I read was like, ah... I don't know if I'm right. Okay, I'll just include that one anyway. Hmm. Boom, that's the one I booked for. That's crazy. Wow. And what was it for exactly? Uh, I don't know if I can say, because hmm. this was years ago, but I've never been able to find the toy huh. or any voice match anything for this cartoon. Wow. Okay. Wow. So many, so many clue words. Toy, cartoon. Somebody write that down. Um, some... Stop. <laughs> You'll never find it, dude. I've been looking. I would love to have a toy with my voice in it, but I've never been able to find it, man. That's 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 a bummer about voice acting. Sometimes you want to be able to like find the stuff you worked on years before, and somehow it's impossible. Um, but I'm just curious. Uh, your brother, who got you this gaming headset. Was it, as I imagine, most brothers was the reason so that he can hear you cuss him out when he's, like, killing you in a game? Oh, Oh, that's absolutely his motivation because he is a master at that craft. He's like, you are still playing with that issued set that came with the console. You're playing on an old console, first of all. It's like, I'm not – I just – he bought me the – big turtle beach headset with like the mic and so that's what i yelled into to get that gig so that (laughs) was awesome awesome. cool Uh, oh what other stuff i'm excited about dude i can't say it yet but (laughs) i got to do mocap for two of my favorite childhood characters watching cartoons growing up yes i got to mocap two of them that was like two years ago and i still can't say what it was but the eight-year-old in me is just giddy with excitement to be like, I did that. <laughs> That's awesome. I can't wait for it. Do you have any idea when you'll be able to say or is just totally I up keep in the air? asking. Yeah. And they're like, they're working on it. Okay. <laughs> All right, my man. <laughs> and then you look back at the memory. Wait, this was in a garage. I don't even remember a voiceover <laughs> booth or yeah, the volume. Yeah. <laughs> right. Have you had that where you audition for something and you get the call and you're like, hey, they booked you for this? I'm like, what was that? <laughs> I auditioned for that a year and a half ago. They're yeah. just now moving forward? I know. It's crazy. I've heard, um, the, yeah, the longest I've heard that happen to people is like six months. I had something happen to me recently where it was something that I booked that could turn into something, you know, feasibly, but didn't. I didn't, never heard anything for like two years. And then after two years, and I even reached out. I'm like, hey, so they told me like they they were hoping this could turn into something big and then maybe they'd use me more. 
And I was told, well, you know, at this point, if you haven't heard, then it probably didn't happen. Yeah. But yeah, two years later, I got the call saying, all right, they want you for another session. I'm like, wow. So it wasn't like an audition I forgot about. It was just like a second session <laughs> that had a huge gap. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Two years between sessions? I'm like, please play reference because I don't remember <laughs> I what we were doing. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happened. Oh, man. Um, so, and, you know, you mentioned mocap and, and you've done a bunch of mocap and performance capture stuff, and we will definitely get into all of that. But I like to start out by asking what somebody's origin story is. And you might be the first guest I've had where if I ask you like where you're from, I wouldn't be surprised if you said, I'm from a distant planet called Nebular. Like (laughs) (laughs) you're very much your own vibe, which I love. And it's, it's infectious. So I'm curious, where are you from? (laughs) Dude, that's really kind of an awesome compliment. I appreciate that, buddy. (laughs) Sure. I was born in Birmingham, Alabama. Oh, nice. My family moved to Orlando when I was four years old, and then they moved to Los Angeles when I was 16. Boom. Basic origin story based solely on location. (laughs) Very nice. (laughs) But I will say, like, you know, at workshops and stuff, you're always hilarious, but you can play super dramatic characters as well. But, like, there are people who are funny... Thanks, and then man. there are people who are funny, um, like, in their uniquely, their own way. Like, I had a college roommate, for example, who talked a very specific way, and it was like, you couldn't help but impersonate it. And at first, we would, like, imitate it. And then, like, a f- couple months goes by, and our other friends that were impersonating it found we- ourselves just talking that way amongst other people. Like, it was so infectious <laughs> that, like, we had to talk <laughs> that way. Um, <laughs> I hope you still use that as a character. <laughs> I know. I hope so, too. Um, but so, you know, you moved around kind of a bunch of places. Is there one place where you would consider your hometown or where you got your your proper education and the first inklings of, of performance? Uh, L.A. is my hometown. Nice. But I did get started in Orlando just mm-hmm. In second grade, we did like a little stage play, and I was like, this is awesome. (laughs) And my first job ever was at Universal Studios Orlando when my high school was across the street from the Universal back lot. Oh, wow. So my my first job ever was working at Universal Studios Orlando. (laughs) And then when we were 16, we moved out to California, baby. West Side? <laughs> That's awesome. Did um, Universal specifically look for like students at your high school because it was close by, or was this unrelated uh, to your high school? But uh, Well, okay, Sean, you're going to get secret time. <laughs> they weren't looking for high school students. I was a very short freshman in high school, hmm. and they were looking for kids to dance in the Barney Celebration Parade. Ooh, Yeah. So as a freshman in high school, I am in the Barney Parade in bright primary colors doing like a mime gesture as like, hey, I'm the head kid. Like, hey, everybody, Barney's coming. And then we just dance down the street for 10 minutes. That was my first job. But don't tell anybody that because when you tell people, what was your first job? The Barney celebration. That's not gangster. People aren't going (laughs) to respect you for that. (laughs) That's one of those things where it's either not gangster or it's the most gangster shit you've ever heard. You know, like, Oh, that's so good, Sean. It all depends on your confidence. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. That's the most gangster thing I've ever done. (laughs) Tell your friends. (laughs) I bet. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you had to do voiceover for that gig, you would have answered my first question with that gig, right? 
Yes, that yeah. was. Okay. I did not do any voiceover for that. They had <laughs> another kid who actually did the dialogue through the loudspeakers, and I just pantomimed <laughs> all the gestures and stuff. Very animated and, uh, you know, kid friendly style, bruh. <laughs> well, you know what? That's probably like one of your first performance capture or, or mocap sort of gigs, you know. There's That's true. There yeah. is definitely a connection right there. <laughs> um, so I'm curious, you know, second grade you did the play. Was that like, did your parents just say, all right, well, you know, why don't you get involved in this? Or was it something you actively sought out? They tell me that when they went to see this, me in a second grade play, we were doing the Scottish play, which is <laughs> way too hard for, you know, second graders. But I walked forward. I delivered my line. They turned to each other and went, uh-oh. Because they're both uh, theater kids. My mm. mom was uh, a professional dancer. She danced on Broadway. Wow. My dad uh, also was a singer-dancer, but also he's a jack-of-all-trades. He was doing, he was running sound for shows. He was doing carpentry. He was in the shows. They met doing a show, uh, a Broadway touring show. That's how they met. That's awesome. So both in entertainment, they see me get up on stage. They're like, uh-oh. Yep. He's going to do the same thing we did. <laughs> and they're both, uh, they met in New York, so I'm assuming because mm-hmm. of Broadway. So, so yeah, the theater, it's not only are you in the same field, but you started out specifically in, like, the world they were most familiar with. Mm-hmm. They saw me on stage as a, what, a, well, how old are you in second grade? Eight, seven, ten? It's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, like six or seven, I think, or seven. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then after that, I was like, I want to do more of this. And they're like, okay. We'll encourage you. We'll encourage you to a fault. And, <laughs> and that's, so that's yeah. that's all I've wanted to do since then. Before that, I wanted to be an astronaut. But then after that, I was like, okay, right on. I got this. <laughs> Interesting. Well, at least at least you started out with such grand, you know, ambitions. I, I saw this study that came out recently that like polled some kids in the states and in the UK and I think in China. And I want to say in China, the kids were all saying astronaut. But now in the States and the UK, they were all saying like social media influencer and stuff. So, yeah, oh, we're doomed. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Well, man. hey, man, you can either drive scientific advancement or you can uh, make TikTok videos. It's up to you, man. <laughs> you can be anything you want. America. <laughs> oh, man. And you know what? There are some incredibly talented TikTok. I'm pretty sure half of the things that I tweet, because I'm not very active on Twitter, (laughs) but half the things I tweet are just tweeting out to Shelby Young because she's got some epic (laughs) TikTok videos just saying you're so good. That's about 90% of my Twitter activity. Um, (laughs) That's pretty sweet, bro. I've used Twitter once. So you got me way outpaced. <laughs> oh, man. So I'm assuming once you told your parents you are you would like to do more entertainment stuff, that was the second that you all moved out to L.A.? Uh, not quite. <laughs> uh, when we were 16, my pops ended up being a senior producer for Disney Special Projects. Hmm. And they said, hey, we want to move you to Imagineering in Burbank. Ooh. So we picked up from Orlando came to California when I was 16. It wasn't my choice, mm-hmm. but it was due to that transfer. And then once we were in L.A., we're like, well, let's just keep doing this. Know I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so how was that? Because, you know, for I remember my mom was trying to, like, move us one city outside of my school when I was, like, a preteen. And I was, like, crying that I'd be so far from my friends. So you went to the opposite coast. How mm-hmm. How was that at your age? Were you excited about it? Well, 
as a 16-year-old, you don't like being uprooted from your social circle or any of that. I did not take it well. I was a moody teenager about the whole thing. But I had a five-day drive to get over it, driving our whole family out this way. I drove, I drove my grandfather's car. My pops drove the, drove the other car, and we just made our way to California, baby. Ooh. So were you were you just like on your own in your grandpa's car fuming for the five days? Or was anybody else in the car with you? <laughs> yes, my grandfather was in the passenger seat. Yeah, and I, I forget. Sometimes my brother would be riding in the back seat. But, hey, driving cross-country as a 16-year-old, you're like, this is a rite of passage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who's a man now? This guy. <laughs> so how long into the drive did you, uh, you know... Did you start warming up to the idea, or were you were you still moody it, in California? It probably took me six months in California, but <laughs> before I went, wait, this is awesome. <laughs> Being able to look at Florida from outside of Florida, you're like, I used to live in Florida, what? <laughs> but yeah, once we got here, I was like, oh, L.A. is the best, baby. <laughs> so you know that. Where's your hometown, Sean? Mine, I I would claim Irvine, but like I. Born in, uh, let's see, born in Tarzana, lived in the Northridge area until age three, moved down to Irvine in the Orange County area until college. But I'd go like every weekend because all my family was in L.A. in the Valley. So like every weekend we'd go to Encino or I would say Irvine, but like I've all my life basically in L.A. or, or Orange County. Yeah. Wait, you are Southern Californian born and bred. I know. <laughs> You're a rare breed, sir. Check you out. So you said um, it took like six months when you were in L.A. until you warmed up to the idea. How? I mean, that must have been tough, like, especially it's not like you started high school out here. Like, you were in the middle of your high school experience having to start from scratch. Mm-hmm. So, like, was it tough meeting new friends? And uh, uh, did you, like, Create a different identity versus, you know, Florida, Nate? <laughs> I did. I rolled in, I am from Planet Xenon Party on 5, baby. Who wants to groove with? No, didn't do any of that. <laughs> to my parents' credit, as soon as they got out here, they're like, we got to find, like, a youth summer stock thing that he can jump right into. And they did. They found a summer stock production that was done at the high school I was going to, and I could start meeting friends immediately. And they did it pretty smart. They rolled me in there and just, boom. When you're young, you make friends fearlessly. (laughs) You can go into it, and it's not a problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. But that is a brilliant idea, so high five to your parents. I'm curious when, you know, this is a voice acting podcast, but you have a million different talents, so... Uh, first of all, like when did voiceover start playing a bigger role in your life? Probably after I'd been in L.A., gone to college, done all that, was started uh, delving more into like the stunt world and trying to get on-camera stuff. In my mind, I was always, I have always loved animation. We're of the age where we grew up on cartoons and never really grew out of it. Yeah. So the more we hear it and the more we keep seeing it, we're like, I have got to get into this biz. How do I do that? And so you you look around online, you try to find people who know what's up, and you're like, where can I learn? Where can I train? I started at the Kalmansons, like right out of college. Hmm. Then I started working other places, doing more stunt stuff, and just kind of stopped pursuing it, and then went back. I got pulled away, went back. Yeah, I kept getting pulled away and then back into. And you know, the more you stick with the voiceover community, you meet more people. Your friend circle expands. And then you're like, 
I finally feel a part of this world. Yeah. I dig this, baby. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's, I mean, there's definitely nothing easy about like making a living as a voice actor, but I feel like that part definitely rings true that like, just the community and vibe is so supportive and um and like you said we we especially grew up at a time where cartoons were just the best thing in the world and the cool thing about voiceover is like these days they're like reimagining cartoons from when we were kids or like mm -hmm. games and stuff from when we were kids mm -hmm. and for like the kids of today so like you're literally not only is just voice acting like reliving your childhood, but we're literally reliving our childhood because we're auditioning for stuff that was like part <laughs> of our childhood. Do um, you have that when you see you're like, oh, they're rebooting a show I know as a child? Yes. Yes, I want to read for this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's the coolest. It's the coolest. But it's interesting how like trying to um, gauge how to approach it. Sometimes you can overthink yourself in mm -hmm. those situations because like they don't want to do a carbon copy of what was there before and the tone oh, might sure. be totally different uh -huh. yeah so like trying to balance the gauge of like this was an existing character but they want to reimagine it so like how much of this existing character should i honor and how much should i do my own thing i don't if you have the answer to that i'm i'll write it down <laughs> okay listen i'm trying to think of one of our childhood shows that we watch that they haven't rebooted yet and then in my mind like is that so ingrained in my childhood memory that I wouldn't be able to break out of that? <laughs> yeah. Like if they did uh, Mask or... Uh, nope, they've already rebooted G.I. Joe, Thundercats, Silverhawks. Yeah. Let's say they bring back Silverhawks. <laughs> could, could you do your own take on Monstar without being like, I was so inspired by that as a child. Space Mumra. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. I know it's tricky, but it's it's the best. Yeah, you know what? I think you could do it, Sean. I believe yeah. in you. I think you'd go in there and be like, "They haven't seen the Rohani take on this." <laughs> Cut to five seconds later. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, <laughs> they passed on the slate. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh man, but no, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and you know, you mentioned some stunts. That, well, first of all. You said it was after college that you started like taking courses at Calmonton and, and mm -hmm. you know, putting more energy into voiceover. What did you study in college? Where did you go to college? Uh, I went to a conservatory in mm. Santa Maria, the Ooh. Pacific Conservatory for the Performing Arts. Spent two years there doing nothing but theater and acting classes. And then they said, hey, we can get you a scholarship to a college out in the Midwest. And I said, that sounds awesome. So I got my Bachelor's of Fine Arts with a minor in music from Missouri because they basically said, you're guaranteed to do every show they do there. And then I decided to get a master's degree from San Diego State. Okay. In theater again? Uh, well, again, it's either the most gangster or the least gangster. <laughs> I got an MFA in musical theater. Beautiful. Oh, you know what? That makes sense. That makes sense because you rock the hell out of any Thank like you? musical theater. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, baby. So, so you know, you you first started taking voiceover specific classes after college. That's when right. You, when you majored in performance and theater, like, what idea did you have of what you would do with that? Were you thinking like Broadway, like your parents, or like theater versus on camera? Or did you have any inkling of what you wanted to do out of college? 
Only those vague aspirations that all young people have, like, I don't care. CEO, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) CEO of Hollywood. That's my goal. No, I, I just I just look forward and like, I don't know what I'm going to do, where I'm going to end up. There's always new opportunities. All I know is that this is the business I want to be in. I want to tell stories. I want to be a part of those stories. I want to share those stories. That's what I want to do. Yeah. Because you know it, it. It it feeds your soul on the inside. You're like, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I may be eating ramen with ketchup <laughs> as a college student, but my soul is nourished from creating art, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's why, like, it's tricky to answer when people ask, what do you do, and you say, I'm a voice actor. That may be true, but I I think you um, hit the root of it, which is, like, wanting to be a storyteller, and that can mm-hmm. manifest itself in all kinds of careers, whether it's Completely. writing or, yeah, on camera or voice act or even outside of entertainment. But that's why a lot of people wear multiple hats. Um, Did you start off wanting to do pure voice acting? Are you a double unicorn? <laughs> no, well, I mean, I always grew up doing impressions, and and sure, <laughs> I, I I think my proudest voiceover related moment was I had in college. I had a friend with a very particular voice, or a roommate, and he was at a bar drunk, and I had some other friends <laughs> at, at our apartment. So I called my friend, and uh, let's just you know he's got a family and stuff now. Let's just say his name was Scott. <laughs> uh huh. Uh, oh, Scott. Yeah. And he talked like this, like this sounds like a fake person, but he actually talked like this all the time. Um, so I called him and I was like, hey, uh, and, and he called, he was super drunk. He's like, uh, who's this? I'm like, uh, it's Scott. And he's like, wait, what? And we went back and forth. <laughs> Eventually I convinced him that I was him because he was so drunk and, you know, I don't So that's the proudest voiceover gig I've ever had. Um, like we said, storytelling manifests itself in many avenues. You, jazz snaps for that one, baby. Jazz <laughs> Thank snaps. Thank you. <laughs> but no, like I professionally, I started out thinking I wanted to be on the production side of animation. And then slowly found out, like, okay, even though I did impressions as a kid, I didn't think of, it's like, you know, being an athlete. Most people don't think of that as an actual career. Hmm. But then, you know, I got in a, on a session and, and found out, oh, wait, like, I'm looking at it happen. And they're very talented. But somehow just seeing it was like, oh, this is doable. You know, you can do it. So, yeah, it wasn't until after college, probably a few years after, that I started pursuing voice acting. Oh, dude, nice. Same. Right (laughs) on, baby. Beautiful. But enough about me, because uh, this event is to celebrate you as a voice actor. Oh, please. The podcast has your name on it, Sean. (laughs) That's enough of me. I don't want it to have any more of me. It's it's all you, baby. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, so just talk for the next hour, and I'm just going to record, and I'm going to go take a nap. Um, I don't even want to say, hear myself. All right? So just, yeah, go for it. <laughs> uh, least Sean could have done is give me a topic to begin with, but no, he's just just freestyle for an hour. All Fair right, enough. fine, baby. Let's talk about science, shall we? Do you know uh, that engineers are developing living materials? Ooh, I'm liking this. I wish I didn't stop this because I'm <laughs> I'm intrigued. <laughs> it's true. Inspired by structures such as bone and chitin, they're actually using. Uh, bacteria to create organic structures, and they're hoping in the future this can be used for self-repairing materials. Ooh, wow. Mm-hmm. Should we... That's just... a fun fact. Look it up. 
Yeah, that sounds amazing. I will look it up after once I listen to this. Okay, but, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> that's cool. I'm I'm tempted to just retire this podcast and start one about what you're talking about because that sounds really cool. <laughs> so um, I would but, listen to that too. <laughs> Science. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing about being an actor. You you have to have lived a life and educate yourself on all mm-hmm. things. So mm-hmm. you know what? That's how I'm going to segue it back to <laughs> back to acting and voice acting. But, That's right. We do learning good because we talk purdy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like that slogan. So uh, you mentioned stunts and obviously voice acting. You specifically pursued like uh, you know shortly after college. When and how did stunts play into your life? As a college theater kid. Uh, we were doing an original production of Robin Hood, and they brought in like a a crusty old stunt guy to teach us how to do the sword fights for it. And can we curse on your podcast? Oh yes, I think oh, yeah? I already broke that rule. <laughs> oh okay, perfect. A few minutes in, yeah. Like they they handed out weapons, and they're like, you know, just hold on. The I had a rapier and dagger, and the stuntman walked over me, and just first thing he ever says to me is, "Jesus Christ, you've never held a weapon in your goddamn life. Give me that shit." And I was like. <laughs> I like him. Yeah. He's hilarious. I am all about this. Yeah, he ended up liking me a whole lot. He's like, all right, you're not terrible. And so he invited me to come train with him at other places. And from there, I just kind of like built up a, a, a sword work background. So when I was like, oh, I specialize in stage combat, which you can meet people who are like, I studied stage combat. And you're like, mm, but did you? So. Yeah. Yeah, I just hooked up with more sword people, more sword friends. Uh, Through that, I ended up teaching fencing for five years. Wow. And then as you meet more, it's like voiceover. As you meet more and more stunt people, your circle of influence and experience grows, and you pick up new skills. Mm -hmm. You you find out more opportunities that you never knew existed. And so through starting as a sword fighter, I ended up doing all sorts of stunt things. Uh, two weeks ago, I just got hit by a car. So, oh, wow. <laughs> l- look how far we've come, Sean. <laughs> yeah. I was oh, waiting. On, on purpose, I should say. I wasn't hit <laughs> yeah. by a car on accident for funsies in, like, a parking lot. No. Yeah. <laughs> I, this, was, this was a job, baby. Mm. I was waiting for you to say, yeah, I got hit by a car on my way to a stunt gig. Um, and, yeah, I wasn't <laughs> – you wouldn't believe what they wanted me to do. But, yeah, the car got me. Oh, but uh, the car. <laughs> so Ooh, um, I did see a great parallel. When I got there for that gig – I can't give anything away. But we had rehearsed it two days before the actual car. The kid driving the car was a boss. Like, boom, stopped on his mark every time so I can just – react to that and hit the ground and Mm -hmm. the coordinator's like this is going to be great we're going to be able to throw pads down on the pavement it's going to be cropped out of the camera you're never going to see it i was like cool man that's great we get there on the day he walks over to me he's like all right put on all your pads because they don't want the mat on the ground you're going to be hitting the pavement and i said okay (laughs) okay yep here we just put on the extra pads and just roll with it like i don't know how many times how many takes i'm gonna need but i ended up hitting the ground like 13, 14 times off a car. And then the week after, last week, I had a gig where, like, they had prepped one thing, like, hey, please prepare these sides. You walk in and they're like, we're going to do something completely different. And you're like, yep, okay, (laughs) let's just roll with it. There's Mm. there's parallels, man. You just got to be ready for, we're doing what now? Yes, (laughs) you got it. 
Man, Absolutely. And, and that w- was that second one with the script that was uh, like performance capture, like you had to memorize the lines? Oh, no, that wasn't one. This was mm. uh, a purely uh, VO project. Got it. Which I, I suppose, no, I haven't had, for like performance capture, everything is so scripted and beat it out that they don't, they, they can do rewrites, but they're not likely to change stuff dramatically on the day or, or mm, like as right. they're rolling, just wing it. No, if they're going to do it, they're going to hand you rewrites top of the day and be like, this is the new script. Uh, let us know when you're ready. And so you just got to be good at reading that over and be like, good to go. Yeah. Was it, um, you know, because it can be, obviously for a lot of voice actors who don't do performance capture, one of the luxuries of being a voice actor, while it has its challenges, is you don't have to memorize your lines. But hmm. is that like a skill that, you know, your college experience and stuff uh, helped you with? Absolutely. Yes, my friends used to taunt me because this is going to say a lot about the kind of student I was. My freshman year in college, went to that conservatory. They have a big campus-wide open audition where everybody's getting the, everyone in the program gets up and does a monologue for everyone else. Hmm. And my buddies walked up to me. I had met them like two days ago. They're like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm memorizing my monologue. They're like, we go in in 10 minutes. I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> just committed a memory walk up there and did it i wow. I, that's a gift i learned from my father he huh. was always real good about that because my mother used to say he would show up on the first day of rehearsal know his lines and everyone else's mm. so i inherited that from him i was always a pretty quick study and i was like all right i got this and that absolutely comes in handy for when you're doing that motion capture stuff especially when they're like rewrites Oh, I'm sure you've done gigs where, like, you're doing dubbing or something or, or looping, and you've got the script there, and they're like, hey, so we need to change these lines because it's not matching the voice flaps. Oh, yeah. We read it to this. And mm-hmm. so, so you can make a little note for yourself, but you got to watch the beeps, or mm-hmm. you have to watch that ticker across the bottom. So you're like, you better memorize it right now. You have two and a half seconds and yeah. rolling. <laughs> Yeah, but it's a. I mean, that's obviously different than memorizing the scripts in their entirety. And you said you got that from your dad. Was there like a, you know, like a a tool or a way that helps you memorize quickly, or do you just look over it a bunch of times until it's in there? For the pro, like if I'm memorizing something that's going to be lengthy, it's mm-hmm. a lot. I will read it through twice, and then I will write it out hmm. in its entirety. Their lines, my lines, because the process of actually like with your fingers typing out every single word, it really helps lock it in for me. And then you can read it twice more after that. And if it's something that, you know, has to clip, I will go ahead and record all my cues in like a very aggressive radio edit. Hmm. So you have to say your lines as fast as possible before the next cue comes in. And that helps when they try to redirect you because now the words are like if you can say all the lines while washing your dishes, folding laundry, when they can throw curveballs at you because you haven't memorized it in the exact pattern that made sense to you. And then you're unable to break that pattern when they're like, now he's British. Hmm. Now he uh, now make him 70. Now he's a pirate. Like, okay, yeah, you just roll with it every time because it's so locked into your brain. You're like, here we go, baby. Yeah, that's interesting because I think when I used to just memorize the lines and read it over and over and like say it out loud, like kind of like you said, you I would end up being locked in that. And then I also mm-hmm. wouldn't because I'm just memorizing my lines. I wouldn't um, like I would depend on, <laughs> let's say, a scene partner to say their lines to know when uh-huh. I'm coming in. Mm-hmm. But um, I did something kind of similar to you. Like what I'll do is I'll record myself reading all the other person's lines. 
after like mm-hmm. reading over the whole thing a few times and then i'll I'll try to get to a point where i'm mem- like i'll say my line and then i'll play back the, the that person's line and somehow like hearing both parts helps me be more flexible but i would just pause it when it's time for my line so i i don't have to say it like a super fast radio edit so you got me on that one <laughs> that's cool man that's good and it helps you listen to the other people yeah exactly I have very dear friends of mine that will be rehearsing something and we'll pause and we'll turn and we'll look at him. He's like, no, I have every third line. I was like, you didn't even bother to learn what anyone else says. He's like, no, your line, your line, my line, your line, your line, my line. I was like, all right, fine. That's hilarious. And I'm going to tease you about that forever. But that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, man. Obviously, when you learn that skill set, it wasn't to be a better voice actor. But like you said, with the stunts, with this, how how it all intertwines and helps each other mm-hmm. but so i'm curious because you know you mentioned uh recently you you had another stunt gig and um you're still doing a lot of voice acting a lot of specifically mocap and stunts is is your goal to be able to just do all of them sort of uh with longevity <laughs> that would be beautiful but like we talked about earlier man and you get it y- you want to be able to tell those stories Mm-hmm. Whatever medium that takes, if it's, hey, so we want you, you're going to, we're going to put you in a, and just a leather jacket. You're going to be thug one, nine, 17 and 24. And you're going to walk in and the hero's going to just keep changing your beanie and the hero's going to beat you up. Like, <laughs> that's cool. I love those gigs. Like, cool. I'm telling, I'm going to die how many times? Yes. <laughs> because you're, you're telling an awesome story in a really fun and exciting way. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, Great, we want you to come in and read for this character. I'm like, that's gorgeous. That's exciting. Like, hey, you're going to, uh, I'm going to be mocapping just, just the action elements of this one guy. Great, I dig it. I'm all about that. As long as you can, as long as we can tell those stories that really kind of like energize us and make us be like, I am ready for this day. You know what that's like. Oh, for sure. I, that is an excellent answer. Oh, also CEO of Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I'm curious, I'm going to talk about all of these many talents that you have, but uh, specifically with voiceover, you know, you got all that training. Was there a point where, did something happen where that told you, okay, this is for real, like this, this is going to be my career? Weirdly, that toy project, that voice match we talked about earlier, that was like the first official voiceover thing I ever auditioned for. Wow. and I booked it, and I went, oh, I'm all about that life. Yeah. Because doing a lot of on-camera auditions, I have a very particular look. I'm 5'7 with a shaved head. And so my on-camera type is a lot of cops and robbers. Yeah, I, I can play, like, the detective who comes in and checks the scene, or I can be just that criminal thug. that go- That's my more on-camera type. Right. But they usually want, you know, big, tall actors for that kind of stuff. And I'm not that guy. So I auditioned my first voiceover audition I take, I book. I was like, oh, you mean I don't have to compete against this 6'1 Adonis who looks exactly (laughs) like me, only a foot and a half taller? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like, let me try more voiceover. Because then, sky's the limit, baby. (laughs) That's interesting. I have have types that I can play that on camera, you, you would look at me and being like, (laughs) <laughs> oh, there's no way. I mean, seriously. Have <laughs> mm-hmm. you seen him? 
Yeah, I mean, like the the things that I've seen in the many workshops that we've taken together, like I, purely based on your voice and like the choices you make, I wouldn't think of you as oh, this would be like even though you can do it, like the the gruff cop or the robber. Like you've played some really epic sort of like just like maniacal characters so beautifully. <laughs> <laughs> so thank that, you, man. I love being <laughs> maniacally beautiful. <laughs> I thought when you said, you know, the very first voiceover gig you auditioned for, you booked, you were like, Ooh, I'm about that life. I thought what you meant was, Oh, you get to book everything you auditioned for. Yeah. <laughs> sign me up. hundred <laughs> percent, baby. <laughs> were you like three auditions in a row later of not booking anything? Were you like, what is going on here? <laughs> yeah. Like, I have had three auditions and no one's <laughs> called me same day. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Someone um, get the CEO of Hollywood. Yeah. So, um, we'll file a complaint. <laughs> yeah, is Hollywood on the Better Business Bureau? Hollywood. I don't like uh, that I didn't book something after three tries. Three tries, two stars. Would still recommend. <laughs> oh, man. But so um, that's when you realize, okay, this is something I'd like to do as a career. Um, yes. When you are also a member of the union, SAG-AFTRA. So that's what, right. What's your union story? How did you end up joining? I got taft Hartley'd into the union on an NCAA commercial. Ooh. Nice. Yeah. They wanted a... Uh, this is when being 5'7 comes in handy. They're like, hey, we want someone who looks college age. They had a, it was for a fencing scene. Huh. And I was like, oh, that's a skill set I have. Because they, it was, it's very dramatic. You can look it up. It's shot like it's in a courtroom, but the lawyers are in fencing gear and they're fighting each other in slow motion. And it was kind of be a metaphor, be like, this is how sports prepares college students for their careers in real life. Huh. Filmed in black and white, there was there was a jury, the judge, the <laughs> opposing counsel. Ah, oh, it was beautiful. And they're like, "Here's your SAG card." Like, clap, clap, <laughs> clap. Thanks, guys. I don't have to finish collecting vouchers. Yes, <laughs> that's cool. That's I got Taft Hartley too, but I feel like yours is a legit Taft Hartley. Like, but what did you get? Uh, I was so I got um Just Cause Four, the video game. I got cast in that. I wasn't union yet, but that was a union gig. And like it was specifically because I could speak Spanish and um they needed people who could speak Spanish and stuff for for some of the characters. But like there are plenty of union people who can speak Spanish. So I didn't feel like cuz you know with Taff Harley the idea is they they don't have union talent they can hire for this. So they have to go out of the union to Taff Harley someone to book the role. But I oh, feel no. like there's much fewer people that like have your look that that have fencing experience and stuff versus people who speak Spanish, you know? Uh, don't sell yourself short, Sean. <laughs> I'm sure they listened to you and they said, hmm, get me Rohani. There can be no other. Give him the card. <laughs> oh, but, um, but still. No one's going to read it like you, man. There's... I appreciate that. That's a good point. You know what? That yeah. is an excellent point. I'm going to hey, own it. I deserve only... everything I get. Everything, Everything you get and more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tell your friends. Correcting. Sean Roheasy in the Heasy. <laughs> um, so so that's when you got Taft Hartley, but um when you get Taft Hartley, you're not a must join. So was there something else that popped up that made you a must join, or did you decide once you got Taft Hartley to just join the union? I, I just joined. Oh wow, cool. Yeah. I did write it for a little while, seeing if anything else came up, but it got to the point. Yeah, I got to the point where I'm like, I'm just going to do it. Let's make it happen. Yeah. 
<laughs> I'm I'm official. Tell everyone in Hollywood. I'm ready. Hello? 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 Where is Hollywood? Everyone? <laughs> Literally anyone? <laughs> oh. oh. Well, I'm going to ride this this momentum of of, you know, pinnacles to your voiceover career. I would oh, think nice. the next step is um getting an agent. I know you're with Vox, so um did yeah. when did you join Vox? Uh I joined Vox. This is the beautiful thing about the people in our community. I was telling people like uh the mocap man, Richard Dorton. I was like, "Hey man, I need to upgrade my agency." I was talking to Keith and Val at PCB who are just unreasonably wonderful people. Mm. It's suspicious <laughs> how glorious they are as humans. I asked them like, "Hey, I I'm really looking to upgrade my representation." And all of them had said, "Vox. Hmm. Talk to Tom Lawless at Vox. Make it happen." Well. So, I sent in upon purely their recommendations because they liked me and were able to recommend me. He called me in. I had a meeting with him. He's like, "Great, you're in." <laughs> That's I said, awesome. That's wonderful. It's like you start immediately. Here's some sides. <laughs> Beautiful. And when you reached out to Vox, was it like by email with those recommendations or did they reach out to Vox recommending you first? I asked them if they do you mind if I name drop you and they're like, "Oh, absolutely." And tell him that we 100% uh glowing recommendation. I was like, <laughs> "You guys, that's wonderful." <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I did that, and I, I just, hey, recommendations, and I think that speaks volumes. Hmm. Yeah. I, I didn't send a demo. I didn't send anything. I just said, hey, I'd love to meet with you because these wonderful people that we all know say you're the man to talk to. He never <laughs> listened to my demo wow. at all. He'd just be like, yeah, he just chatted with me for about 10 minutes. He's like, ha, you're in. <laughs> wow. It's hard enough getting any response from agencies, um, For especially sure. now, like it's getting more saturated, obviously. But like if you like recommendations are huge. And since you had multiple, huge. that makes sense. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't know if you did this, but I did several rounds of like blind calls, blind mm. submissions, <laughs> trying to find the most respectful and appropriate way for each agency how they like to be submitted to. Mm hmm. So I did several rounds of that until finally, finally, it was only through recommendations that I got the response. I know. It's crazy. It's it all doesn't about matter. who you know, baby. Make yeah. friends. <laughs> Make friends. The friends in this community are unparalleled. It's, yeah. it's wacky. But, uh, you know, again, I'm going to flip the tables on you. Don't downplay your own achievements because you can have all the friends you want if you suck. They're not going to be like, you know what? <laughs> Maybe <laughs> give them a different name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> be like, uh, well, we like you, but uh. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't you understand. Stick you should stick to on camera. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to backtrack a little bit because you mentioned, you know, being five seven, um, you're usually a certain type on camera. Mm -hmm. But I know, like with mocap, sometimes it matters what height you are. Like, does it? Mm. Is, has that been the case with you? Like, when you're doing mocap, are there specific characters and creatures that that you're working as, or is there more leeway? It depends on how the uh, designers and developers are making the game. Because hmm. if they want everyone at the height they need those characters or the differential, 
that's locked in. They don't want to change the data after the fact. Like, I need my main character this height. I need his sidekick to be this height. And the villain will be this height. And only cast in that range because I don't want to have to do more work. More... We're live! I don't want to have to do more work <laughs> later. Ah, I got it on the second take. <laughs> that's what, you know, that's what all your friends saw in you. That's why you're with Vox now. Just that quick <laughs> ability to adapt and adjust. See? Thank you for recognizing that. You're a very talented and clever individual, Sean. Your insight is unparalleled. <laughs> That's very kind of you. Wow. What a beautiful compliment. Shut up, baby. I know it. <laughs> this reminds me, you clearly have plenty of uh, improv experience. You're, you're very... Oh, I wouldn't say clearly. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're a hilarious human being, and you are not afraid Thanks, to improvise. Man. I mean, 20 minutes ago, I said, all right, why don't you just speak for the next hour, and I'm going to leave, and you went with it. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so when, where, what is your improv experience? Where have you done improv? Uh, it would start in high school. My mm. California high school, I had a friend group that were big into uh, comedy sports, mm. just high school improv, and they were bloodthirsty improvers. If you <laughs> wanted to hang out with them, you needed to keep up or go home. So that was the little quick-witted crucible that I was thrown into. <laughs> Admittedly, I was like, I'm, I'm barely surviving <laughs> in this friend group, this inner circle of just whip smart individuals like wow and they say if you want to get better you play the game with people better than you yeah and so that was always the case with them and then i started getting jobs where they wanted you to improv they wanted you to do i worked much like our friend isaac i worked at disneyland oh beautiful i got hired because of my sword stuff, to be in the Jack Sparrow adventure show. It was a little <laughs> stunt show they had on the island. So through that, like, we had a script, but we had to walk around the island and improv a whole lot. And again, blessed friends of mine, they would just throw a comedy grenade at you. As you get out in front of the audience, they would be like, all right, Barrett, take it away. <laughs> they just throw that in your lap and you got to start juggling or, or run away. Yeah. And running is never an option. <laughs> You're like, all right, got to step up and get it done. And because of that, I ended up getting into, when that show shut down, they said, hey, do you want to be in the Bootstrappers Pirate Band as the front man? I was like, oh, I'll just do everything I was doing, like kind of improving with the crowd in between sea shanties. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't have to fall down several times a day. I'm all <laughs> about that life. And then through there, they asked me to be part of the Golden Horseshoe Saloon. They had a improv cowboy comedy show up there wow. so it's because i kept getting jobs where they rewarded you for thinking quick on your feet i was like yes i'm all about that yeah I, you were you just reminded me sean hmm. i've before everything shut down i was training at the groundlings because oh, okay. improv is a perishable skill if you don't use it it starts to fade away man you gotta you gotta work out those muscles hmm. they have online Groundlings courses, because sometimes getting into the middle of Hollywood is a pain. Yeah. So you know what? I got to get back into it just to get those muscles working again, warm it up and be like, oh, these neurons have not been fired in a very long time. Let's go, baby. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you said you haven't actually taken any of the online courses yet, but it's something you're Not yet. I was going in person before everything shut down. Mm, yeah. 
yeah, and I'm it really was curious. it was it was good. It was good because that place is respected. Because if you like, I went through groundlings training. They don't take anyone. You have to audition to be accepted into the program. You have to be approved after each level before you can advance to the next level. Yeah. So how deep were you in it? You had just started right before the pandemic. I, I was going through the core track, and I was going into the advanced core track. Wow, man. Let's have a moment of silence and appreciation for that that challenge. I mean, that's like you said, not everybody does. <laughs> I wish you like you look so heroic right now. I want the audience to look like, you know, chest out, hands crossed. <laughs> Nate is literally flexing right now. Sean, I'll give you 10 minutes to cut that out. <laughs> Your oh. baseless compliments, please, sir. Oh, man. Please, checks in the mail. <laughs> That was part one with Nathan Hedrick. I hope laughter doesn't annoy you because you will hear much more of it in part two. In the meantime, here are some tips we snuck in. Tip number one, while it's good to know what your most bookable roles are, don't be the one to tell yourself you're not right for something. Nathan had a batch of auditions to submit and after recording the ones he thought he was right for, he decided to give the one he didn't think he was right for a shot, which ended up being the first voiceover role he ever booked. Two, be interested and interesting. I know that's kind of a weird one, but live life, read up on things you're interested in, travel if and when you can, and you'd be surprised how often these experiences will find ways to add depth and interesting choices to your performances. And three, when you have to memorize lines, try recording your scene partner's lines, leaving just enough of a gap between their lines for you to quickly recite your own lines. Getting so comfortable with your memorization that you can quickly recite all of your lines before you've made any acting choices will help the lines sink in and make you more able to adapt if a directing curveball is thrown at you. And on that note, may all you voice actors keep acting up.